when we work as a marketing organization with products, there's a little bit of, you know, you're trying to build excitement internally and externally for what you're building. What, you know, a better way to do it is actually hearing directly from customers. Welcome to another episode of CX Confessions. I'm Stacey Satterwhite, and I'm excited to be joined today by a guest host, Dylan Nugent. Welcome, Dylan. Thank you. Dylan is currently our chief marketing officer here at Koros. I've worked with her for several years. And as the CMO of Koros, she's responsible for developing and executing, obviously, our global marketing strategy. Dylan has over 20 years experience with a start in the advertising industry and then branched into B2B and tech where she's focused on product innovation and transforming teams to find growth opportunities. Today, Dylan uses her passion for growth to develop her team and find new opportunities for Koros through programmatic and account-based strategies. And Dylan, since I know you, all of those things are true. Again, excited to have you as co-host of CX Confessions today. I'm thrilled to be here. So tell me a little bit about what's going on in your world. Anything interesting from an industry standpoint or what's going on in the life of Dylan in CX? Well, I think there's so much about the uncertainty right now and the the economy and everybody looking for growth and how do you drive growth. And I find that it's so important to remember and that we have to go back to like really fundamental foundational things that help fuel what we do. I think it's very easy to go to how do we fix this quick and how do we you know do what's most kind of known to us in this unknown time. But I think there's so much during these times that rely on us digging deeper and understanding things even further. So that's been something that's been really on my mind. And today's conversation is, is I think, plays right into that is like, don't cut the stuff that's really going to give you the fuel during these times when things feel like they're a little scarce or a little bit uh, unknown. That That's when you need this kind of introspection and reflection and information and data the most. Yeah, absolutely. Both professionally and personally. Happy to have Michelle Huff, Chief Marketing Officer, as our guest today on CX Confessions. Michelle is the CMO at User Testing, who brings over 20 years of experience leading marketing and go-to-market strategies at high-tech companies such as Acton Software, Salesforce, and Oracle. Gaining insights directly from customers and prospects has always been essential in Michelle's past roles from leading product marketing and management teams to launching websites and marketing campaigns. Today, at user testing, she's responsible for driving the go-to-market strategy, building the user testing brand, generating demand, and strengthening customer engagement and advocacy. Welcome, Michelle, to the show. Dylan and I are very happy to have you here today. I'm very happy to be here. Thanks for having me. You have a really incredible background, and I'm excited to dig into it more. Our first question is a little bit more about the current state of things. So your marketing leadership roles have had such big brands as Oracle and Salesforce, obviously very well-known names to folks in the industry. And during the 2008 financial crisis, you were a product manager or product management director at Oracle. But now, as we're going into a potentially tightening economic situation, I'm sure it's on everyone's mind, and you're in the big chair, so to speak, right? The leader of it all from a marketing standpoint there at user testing. I I expect that means you'll have some 
different and maybe incremental challenges ahead, depending, of course, on how this plays out for all of us, a lot of unknown. I'm curious for your opinion of kind of the differences there and maybe more specifically, why is it important for marketers to have an understanding of the customer's situation and feeling, especially during difficult economic times? Yeah, no, that's a great setup. Um, yeah, it's been interesting kind of looking back on my career. So I think my my very first job, I started right at that whole boom um, at the beginning of uh, in late 90s. And then, uh, you know, I, it, at the end of the day, you know, I, I love um, Peter Drucker, his quote where he says, you know, what's the purpose of a business? And it's really to create and keep a customer. And so, you know, when you ask the question of why do you think it's important to really understand them, it's it's essentially the reason why we're in business. And so, you know, it, it, depending on if you uh, are in a more of a, a B2C environment or, you know, in our world, it's, it's you know, I've always kind of been more of a B2B stance. Um, it's, it's understanding, right, that whole dynamic of not just the end users who might use your applications, but also the buyers. You know, there's a lot of things that, um, you know, pivots that I made in the middle of this year versus what I set out to do at the beginning of the year. And um, you hear a lot of, uh, you know, Dylan, I don't know if you see a lot of it, but, you know, so much of it is um, how do we think about making the most of these investments, you know, versus maybe a grow at all costs or, you know, because there's this moment of time where you're just like in this high growth mode versus, all right, now, you know, in some sense, it can be a nice refreshing (laughs) pace. And and you look at things, it's still a a crazy pace, but it's a different way of looking at it all. It's like, okay, we're going to try to make sure that we're making the most of these investments. As as a follow-up to that, Michelle, how do you find, I mean, I face this as a marketer too. How do you find in these times when you are looking at squeezing every little last little drop of juice out of what you have that, you know, talking to your customers and getting these insights is critical and not a nice to have? Yeah. Well, you know, so for user testing, if people haven't heard of what it is, um, it really helps um, people understand what it's like to be a customer. You really get to step into their shoes. And, um, you know, as a marketer, um, oftentimes you're faced with a lot of data and you don't understand why things, you know, why, why is that pattern existing? Why is that trend happening? And you, you make a lot of assumptions you have to, and, and to keep kind of going. And so, um, a big thing that you're really trying to do is create messaging, create campaigns, create experiences that resonate. It's really hard to tell what resonates with data truly, right? Like sometimes you're like, okay, this is getting traction, but like, but what about it made it resonate, right? I think that's what we always crave. And, you know, you see it happening all the time. I did, you know, before I I learned about user testing, when I first learned, I was like, I didn't realize this existed. And you asked your spouse, other marketers get into a room. You ask other people, like, what do you think? Do you think this sounds, does this make sense? You know, and you're constantly asking these questions. But if you could really ask that to your users and your buyers, right, you, you really actually understand what resonates, what doesn't. And so, um, you know, I think when you are trying to optimize and get the most out of things, there's kind of three ways. This, you know, sometimes I feel like, marketing, you can get so trapped in the execution of the tactics and it can all lead up to this, like this amazing machine, but the message that you're the offer, the message, 
I mean, it's, it's kind of pointless if it doesn't actually move the needle, if it doesn't actually convince them like why they have a problem, why you right now, <laughs> right? So it's a part of the journey. You're, you're trying to help them answer questions, help overcome objections and kind of get to becoming a customer, get to continuing, become, you know, adoption of it and, and become an advocate. So if you aren't having messaging and offers that moves that, right, at the end of the day, it becomes kind of pointless. So, so user testing helps with that. Uh, but then on the other side, uh, we often see, um, you know, especially in the digital world, we're constantly testing and iterating. And, uh, you know, if you think about um, just simple A-B tests that you might be doing on your site, at the end of the day, it takes, you know, every test we might run it for two weeks, sometimes a month. And you're really putting, if it's an A-B, you know, potentially half of your traffic you're putting at risk to go with one of these different options. And, um, or you have campaigns and you're like, hey, I'll just run this in the market for real (laughs) and use our actual campaign dollars to see what works. And so we've been seeing, you know, not that that goes away, but we've been seeing a lot of more advanced marketers and mature organizations start saying, you know, why don't I get some of that feedback before I spend campaign dollars, before I actually put... Um, these at risk, you know, instead of having an A and B where at the end of the four weeks, you realize B wins by 0.23%. <laughs> mm-hmm. it's, right? it's like, right. It's, yeah. It's that refining. The needle? <laughs> so may, right. So maybe like um, you can propose, you know, what, what should the two options kind of be and get some feedback on that before you kind of get further. Talk to us about, I love that you guys describe yourselves as a human insight platform. I mean, it's it's so much richer and reminds you what you're really there to do with that rather than calling it customer research. But have, <laughs> talk to us about the real-time aspect. I know that is like a, a big factor in, in your platform, an ability to get that in real time. What do you think that does to impact, um, obviously, you know, speed to market? Sure, you get the insights sooner and then you can start integrating them into what you do. But talk to us a little bit more about that and what the big advantage of that is. Yeah, so, you know, you know, it's interesting when you when you talk to people about getting feedback and you should really talk to customers. I mean, I don't think I've ever met a marketer said, no, that's not interesting or important or why would anyone do that? <laughs> right. But normally, most marketers, you're just under crunch time and people don't feel like they have the time to get the feedback, right? Or they don't have the people they can bounce bounce it off of or or do that, or it costs a lot of money. If you think, you know, when you use the words research, you know, and I still do that. So there's, I do competitive research. I, I send someone off, hey, can you go look into this? And they come back, you know, later doing a lot of thoughtful research, or I, you know, I've done brand tracking research and it takes a few months and you pay thousands of dollars and you get in, it's insightful. But like, I feel like that's the mindset. And um, with user testing, I always feel like there's these three aha moments. The first one, you're trying to describe what we do. And maybe people, you're like, are they a survey? Or like, <laughs> like what, like, do they, like, is it data? Like, what is this? And so you, we normally show these little videos and um, it could be basically as a marketer, you could say, you can tell, ask them questions, but also give them tasks to do. So I want you to um, uh, show me when you start research or looking for these types of solutions, go to Google and tell me what you look for. And then when you find it, like explain to me what you think that that process looks like, or go to the site and tell me how you would find, um, request trial or, you know, whatever the task is, 
you you pick an audience, you give them those questions, you give them those tasks, and then you start to literally see <laughs> the people going through it. And they, they think their thoughts out loud. They tell you why they're doing what they're doing. And you see what they're seeing on, on your site or, or different places. And so suddenly there's this like, oh, shoot, like I can really start getting like, oh, like I'm literally in their shoes and watching them. It's a whole different way of looking at it. And the speed, so over 80% of, um, you know, our customer experience narratives, that we call them, they, they come back in just a few hours. And so the second aha moment is normally you've got these crazy questions or these your things that you're trying to understand. And literally, usually the first few start coming in in 30 minutes. And I think that's a moment where suddenly it changes this dynamic where that's sometimes quicker than trying to schedule a meeting with the coworker to see like, hey, I'm going to run through this with you. What do you think? Right. And so suddenly when the access and the ability to have it work within your workflows and timelines, it kind of changes how people start thinking about getting customer feedback. And usually the third aha moment is when I tell people, it doesn't even have to be your experience. You could literally like let's say you're trying to rebuild a certain, you know, like if you're e-commerce or something and you're like, you know, show me what your top three best shopping cart experiences are. Like, show me and why. And so people can go and go to diff- different sites or they can go to your competitors versus you and tell you what you think. And so suddenly, and it really can be any experience um, that you can get insight into. You talked about some of the benefits of user testing and maybe it's about getting those three aha moments in real time. But, but, but tie for me some of the main benefits of user testing when it comes to the customer journey. And you kind of laid it out there, but, but maybe there's a little more to it than that. Typically, the main benefits that our customers see about um, getting human insight, it's, you know, at the end of the day, we're trying to drive revenue. Uh, but it comes in a few different camps. So some of it is literally, you know, a lot of times innovation comes from talking to customers. It's it's about observing others, hearing, connecting ideas. And so, you know, one of them is just thinking out of the box, having innovative ideas, you know, driving something that's new. Another one is really around saving costs, right? So if you're, you know, there are definitely companies who have crazy processes internally of how they're trying to get feedback from, you know, potential customers, from existing customers. And so there's definitely um, reasons why people use this to save costs. But there's also just with managing risk that I talked a little bit about. If you're building something, campaigns, sites, applications, there's usually a whole set of resources that are invested in building it. And if you work, let's say, in a sprint, cycle, or if you're building things every two weeks, you're really putting that amount of investment at risk towards what you want them to do, what you're building, the message, the the feature, the, you know, experience that you're creating. And so, you know, at the end of the, and then you launch it at the end, <laughs> there's a huge amount of investment and cost that you put at risk for something that might not actually even work or resonate with customers. And so, you know, that's a huge benefit. Um, and then really around, you know, all of that helps drive revenue, but there's just really specific ones that we talked about around, you know, there's so many examples and use cases where people have had insights that have increased conversion rate, let's say, you know, 
where it's gone through and and we've seen adoption of um, new applications, loyalty programs. And so there's a lot of ones that you can kind of pull out of what marketing is trying to do, where talking to customers, getting this human insight, pairing it with the data that you have is has had such huge impact on revenue. It almost sounds like the ultimate in um, quick feedback, right? We want to do this. I'm going to get the feedback. I'm going to see how it goes and I'm going to adjust. Almost the, ag- the, the agile, if you will, of, uh, of your world. Yeah, no, 100%. Yeah. I mean, really it spawned from, you know, the name user testing where our heritage really came from was in this user research UX kind of space and it grew from agile development. So it was this whole like, trying to get feedback really quick. You're trying to release things quickly. And how do you get, how do you make sure it makes sense to another human? (laughs) Does it actually usable? Does it make sense? And then over time we've built it because there's so many reasons why, you know, anyone who's building and creating things for other people care what it's like for their users and if, if it actually works for them. So Michelle, you talk about, you know, getting that feedback when you're building the products, which is critical. What do you think is the value with marketers than really understanding how products are built, um, really understanding that process and how a product team and a marketing team can come together and maximize the kind of insights that your your platform offers? Or where have you seen that work really well and what's what are the ingredients there? Yeah, so it comes in a few different ways. So like just even internally at user testing, there's a lot that the product team and marketing team work together. Um, so, you know, we... We do for for one, I, I call them empathy hours. So for every single one of my all hands, we, you know, I, I think it's important for my team to actually understand our buyers and our users. And so um, we always go through and show video clips so that we have a chance to hear about their needs, their problems, what's kind of situations that they're dealing with. Um, and we share those with the product organization as well, because it's really important that they understand the same thing, that we're we're speaking the same language. So there's a lot of shared understanding that you get from doing these things. It's not like we're all having separate ad hoc conversations. We also do that with with users. And so there's this kind of just broader understanding. You know, what's interesting is when when we work as a marketing organization with products, there's a little bit of, you know, you're trying to build excitement internally and externally for what you're building. And what you know, a better way to do it is actually hearing directly from customers. So we'll have an all hands where we've, you know, whether it be something, you know, that might seemingly feel small, right? Specific features versus some major kind of capabilities. And so we'll, we'll play little highlight reels. So you can watch people the first time that they're experiencing it, what they think, you know, or, or why did we build it in the first place? And you can hear it directly from the end users or the customers. So it really just helps get more buy-in, apply more context between the product and engineering organization, the marketing, and kind of the rest of the company. Maybe on the other side. So that's, I think, especially in my more B2B world of working in marketing and, and, and product. But you know, if you kind of look at what marketers are doing today in, in digital worlds, I mean, we're responsible oftentimes for the websites, for all these digital experiences. Um, in these even large organizations, if you're you're dealing more in a B two C environment, um, these these um, huge kind of mandates and infrastructure and tech resources that these CMOs are in charge of, very much like tech company um, heads of products and CTOs, and so you know you see a big trend um, of of having people within marketing also be right like product 
managers, but uh, the product might be, you know, the homepage, the product might be a certain part of the customer journey. And so in that regard, I think it's really important for marketers to understand this world of product and how it works and how to actually be in these agile, um, you know, sprints and how to incorporate feedback and how to build prototypes and get features. Because all of that is really helping you at the end of the day, drive revenue and all of these, you know, experiences you're building across the customer journey. And you see it um, applied, not just for, you know, the first time customer revenue, um, but a lot of teams are really starting to use that, the same sets of of premises, the same sets of data sets to drive adoption and renewals um, or or expansion within customers. So in that regard, I think it's really important for CMOs to, to better understand what that world looks like. What a great answer spoken from the customer facing person. Thank you. I uh, really appreciate that. In fact, I think I might even steal empathy hour at a future all hands. What a, <laughs> what a great concept. Actually, we just kicked off internally. I, I was um, uh, hosting our, our company all hands because the CEO was out today and um, we have a chief insights officer mm-hmm. and her team is kicking off an empathy feed. And so we've been experimenting um, internally with marketing, some of the teams, but we're making it all um, enterprise-wide um, so that we can really have a destination for if you're just, you know, five minutes, 10 minutes out of your day that you can just go and start listening. You know, it's like, instead of just going on TikTok or whatever, <laughs> listening to different people, right? Like, why not use the opportunity to hear from different customers? And they're just like these great little moments of insight to hear about their needs, problems, feedback, you know, experiences. So um, I think that'll be pretty cool. Cool. I like the empathy feed. That's awesome. I do too. Um, yeah, Dylan, we should think about that. Okay. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite questions we ask on all CX Confessions episodes is, what is a commonly held belief or industry practice that you passionately disagree with? I think there's a lot of people who believe that if you are a business leader, that you have to have this a certain kind of persona and you have to be kind of cutthroat and um, business-like. And like, there's a whole persona of what people have expectations around. And, you know, they don't, a lot of people don't feel like you can be kind and also be an executive. And I, I just feel like, you know, early in my career, you know, there's definitely leaders I've, you know, experienced in my past that are the pound the fist on the table and swearing and just, you know, like, and sometimes people feel like that, well, that's what it takes. And, you know, one of our, our things that user testing, one of our culture, um, you know, elements is be kind. And, you know, I, I feel like that some, it's interesting because some people will say, well, you know, like maybe that's when you're a small company, it's not something that scales. And I just wholeheartedly believe like you can be kind you can still be direct. You can still have honest conversations, but you can do it in a kind way, right? And I think we talk a lot about assuming positive intent. And sometimes people, it's interesting, they, they believe when they hear positive intent, it needs to be nice and that you shouldn't say anything because you should assume they meant to do the right thing and you should kind of give them a pass, right? Like they, they were meaning well, and then therefore you're supposed to suck it up. Yeah. And I feel like that's not at all what assuming right. positive intent means. I mean, obviously, if, if like there's some moments where you just suck it up, <laughs> but, but really, I feel like what it is is you know some, an ex, something happens, something is said, 
and you are kind of fired up, right? Like it triggers something and you're like, ah. And, you know, one thing about assuming a positive intent is in a company, one thing you can think through first is, you know what? We're all here because we're trying to do our best and drive this company forward. So their intention is similar to what I want. We're going about it with very different tactics, but at least we both want the same thing. Find the common alignment. Yeah, right. And if you can kind of hear it in, they're not saying it against you or trying to make, right? They're not trying to make you mad. They're not trying to do this to you, right? Suddenly it can just change your response. Like you should still, right, have a conversation. You can still say, hey, when you said this, it made me feel this way. Kind of pissed me off. And this is why, you know, and, and, but you can have the conversation. Um, but again, you're not like, fired up and, you know, sending off slacks and, 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 and having a response that assumes they had it out for you. Cause that changes the whole dynamic of the conversation. And at the end of the day, we're all like people working together and communication skills are so important. And I feel like being kind, assuming positive intent just helps and goes such a long way. And I think it can be incredibly effective in business leadership. It, it reminds me, Michelle, of the other saying that you always are told to remember is don't take it personally. And it, it's not about you, right? Um, not about you. <laughs> but it's, I mean, it's, totally. such, it's such good advice too. It reminds me a lot of like what your product does, which is really understanding the, the why behind what you may assume or you hear and well, what's really behind that. Like, what's the motivation? What's the discover the why part you guys always talk about too is like, that's the underbelly. Uh, whether it's, you know, how you interact with somebody and what they're really trying to get across or what's really behind that rough exterior or really why someone buys your product or what they're looking for, what they value. Totally. Because I think once you do that, you know, uh, you know, maybe it's also my, my marketing, like problem solving brain, but like when you, when you kind of understand where they're coming from, you know, you're like, Oh, that makes a ton of sense, right? And, and and you can like say, okay, well now I can frame things in a different way, better, you know, like knowing where they're coming from, mm-hmm. or I can realize that this is their perspective, and maybe that shapes how I now phrase it or change it or do it. But like, it's all, you know, it, it all goes in in helping you understand what next steps you can take. And I I just I think it's so important to do that. You know, I totally agree. It's you know, I think. One of my my big things I always, you know, I think I even sent it to my niece when she was graduating, but I, I wholeheartedly believe that the only thing you have complete control over is how you choose to respond to something. And people get really upset when they feel out of control, powerless, right? There's all these things where it starts kind of messing with your head on these situations. But I think if you just, at the end of the day, there's a lot of things that happen, but what you have control over is how you choose to respond. And so whatever you need to do to change that like mindset of yours to help you walk away later on and reflect back on that situation and say, you know, I, I, how I chose to handle that situation changed the whole kind of dynamic. I I think that personally, I think that's empowering, right? And, and you can always tell people how you expect to be treated. You can always coach people on how, like, you know, again, it doesn't have to be about you, but like, you know, it, like it's don't assume that everyone's had your background and your experience and your some state, you know, because they come at it from a different situation. Just tell them how you want to be treated. Tell them 
what you like and don't like. Well, especially today where, you know, every company is, is trying to get more diverse because we see the value and all these different perspectives. But with that comes this strong need to understand each other, right? We're not all homogenous, nor do we want to be. And that's not where the value is, but we have to remember to bring that aspect of really how you understand other people um, to the table. So, There's a lot to unpack there. We could almost do an entire episode on, on <laughs> that part, right? As, as you were talking, there were things flying through my mind, like stress mm-hmm. isn't actually anything but a reaction to an event itself. It's not the event itself. So, mm-hmm. so many things to, uh, to think about there. Michelle, thank yeah. you for that. Thank you for the be kind. And before we sign off, Michelle, we want to take the final minutes to let the world know a little bit more about you. Um, so we have something we call quick fire confessions, and these are questions that we use to get a really, a really different glimpse of you outside of what we've talked about. So Stacey and I are going to rapid fire a few questions at you and uh, just answer as the first thing that comes to your mind or the most honest answer. So Michelle, what was your first concert? Um, I'm based in Seattle and I was a grunge girl. So my first concert was, uh, I think, uh, an outdoor one with Candlebox and Tool. I don't know if I remember them. Yes. All right. Love it. Okay. Grunge girl at heart. Crowd surfing thing. Uh, Yeah. Oh, crowd surfing thing. Wow. That's awesome. (laughs) Didn't know you already. Okay. Next. Uh, What profession other than your own would you attempt if you could? Maybe it's a grunge singer. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Actually. I don't know. I mean, I really love what I do. Uh, I feel like, I don't know, maybe it would be like the complete opposite. Like I love doing hot yoga. Like maybe I would own a yoga studio and I'd have some job that like forces me to exercise on a daily basis. I think that might be actually really healthy. (laughs) All right. What's your biggest indulgence? And it cannot be hot yoga. (laughs) (laughs) Well, my, my, my biggest indulgence, uh, which actually pre pandemic, I was on a weekly massage, which was pretty mm. amazing. Wow, and, I see. Uh, Good for you. It took a little hiatus from that frequency. Um, but, um, I'm, I'm mentally, I'm, I'm, I'm raring out to start uh, doing that one again. Very medicinally beneficial too, right? Like why stop that relaxation? Yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. All right. Uh, what is your favorite movie quote? Princess Bride. It's this funny little scene. I'm forgetting the guy's name, but he he keeps saying the word inconceivable, right? <laughs> so like, so so the the they they look and they see someone coming after them, and so they they keep setting all these little traps. And there's this huge cliff, and the guy keeps climbing up, and the guy keeps saying inconceivable, <laughs> and the other guy's like, "You keep using that word." He goes, I don't think it means what you think it means. <laughs> and I feel like there's all these moments in my head where people say things. Maybe it's my marketer where I'm always like so focused on words. But uh, in my head, he pops in. Keep using that word. I don't think it means what you think it means. <laughs> Love it. All right, Michelle. And lastly, um, we know you are based in Seattle. But if you were not based in Seattle and you had to move somewhere other than where, other than there, where would it be? Yeah, my sister moved down to San Diego. So mm-hmm. maybe I would kind of join her in some sunshine down mm-hmm. in San Diego. Mm-hmm. Family is good. Sunshine's good. You just got to do deal with the cost of living. Not that Seattle's that much different oh, at this point, probably. I know, I know. But I like my four seasons, so still staying up here. But uh, it's a good second choice. And your and your grunge. <laughs> and your exactly. grunge. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, Michelle, this has been absolutely lovely. What a really, really cool uh, introduction we got to you and to user testing. Thank you very, very much for all of your time today. I've thoroughly enjoyed it and I wish you the best of luck. 
Thanks for having me. Really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you, Michelle. Wow, Dylan, what a great conversation with Michelle. So many key takeaways. Uh, I loved, loved her concept of empathy hour and really, really using, obviously, user testing, but also just their overall concept of really putting themselves in their customer shoes with the whole empathy concept. What about you? What did you take away from it? Yeah, I just love that notion of reminding people that empathy is important. But, you know, Stacey, I thought it was so interesting how I come from a marketing world. You come from, you know, customers and operations. And it's it's really this intersection of like, you think about these companies that the companies that are most well-known and, and most successful really have a clear understanding of their customer. Like from, from the top to the very bottom of any company, like they know who their customer is, they're customer centric. And so many things she talked about, about their the platform, but also just um, how they run that company is is really focused on that, like bringing the customer to what you do. Yeah, it's it's interesting to see, and you're right, the two of our perspectives, mine operational, your marketing, mm-hmm. that they like they really bring it all together. And I loved her her. I think she even used a Peter Drucker quote, right? Mm-hmm. Like the point mm-hmm. of every company is to acquire and keep customers. Like mm-hmm. it's just so refreshing to have a head of marketing, although you're you're the same. Really mm-hmm. think about that as the ultimate objective. Don't forget about your customer. It is so easy to get into the the walls of your company and what you do, drink your Kool-Aid and think that everybody understands it like you. And you've got to peek your head out. You've got to peek your head out and make sure you really understand your customer and your customer really understands you. And if there's a disconnect, that's where these these like rich insights that she really is helping to drive, I think, shed the light on that. Yeah, lots of great stuff there. And then capped off with her overall, be kind. Good, a good takeaway for all of us, especially in these challenging times. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely. That's, I think that's what leaders ne- have been needing to understand the past couple of years is that, is that idea of empathy and that idea of like caring about your customer or your customers and your employees and, and how you lead. Um, it also reminded me a bit of, of that whole um, idea of like being an introvert and being quiet is yes. okay. And that not everybody needs to talk all the time. And I feel like really good leaders, they listen a lot, right? And I think, so I think there's always this like flip side of what you think a leader needs to be, to be powerful and all knowing and whatnot, and then what you can actually practice and how effective that could be. Yeah, absolutely. For sure, leaning into the empathy, the being kind and the listening is something that uh, we all can remind ourselves to do. Well, Dylan, it's been great having you here as my guest host here on CX Confessions. Thank you so much. It's been great. You're a natural. And I look forward to potentially doing this again with you. I loved it. Please have me back. Thank you.